I was really helped this week. I hope that you were too. Um, the, when you have that dedicated time to kind of um, just focus in and uh, learn and uh, for you, maybe it's more, I don't know, hopefully it worked for you guys too. For me, I'm used to preaching versus listening to preaching. And uh, it's just, it's always so refreshing for me. I was truly revived this week um, through the preaching God's Word and the, the help that was given. Um, Sunday morning's message was phenomenal. I thought Tuesday night's message was really, really good. Um, the other ones were good as well. Those were, those were two that really spoke to me. And um, I feel like when we come off of revival, we're in that odd spot of the year where we're not quite to Thanksgiving, not quite to Christmas, not quite to the end of the year, but we're oh so close. And when I think about preaching these times of years, so typically in thanks, uh, November we'll kind of head towards thankful kind of messages, messages about being thankful. And then we get into Christmas and start focusing in on Christmas uh, type messages or series as well. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm in that kind of that, that middle zone of, okay, well, what do I preach on? And, uh, and, and as we focus in, kind of what I wanted to do today is come back to our theme, a different passage, but come back to our theme and kind of hopefully make sure we're on track to finish out the year and complete this theme. Because coming January, we'll have a brand new theme. You say, what is it, Pastor? I have no idea. But we'll have a brand new theme and uh, we'll introduce it in the new year and we'll, we'll begin to kind of focus in, in that, that spectrum. Uh, and, and I have been so bad um, in all my years as pastoring. This has been year number 12 um, where I, I will have a theme and we'll be good for the first few months and then it kind of uh, evades uh, us a little bit and then maybe we'll get back on in the summer and then it kind of slips away again and and I'm trying to do better at this keeping that theme active throughout the whole year and uh, and uh, so I want us to make sure we finish out our year focused on moving forward and I think coming off of the revival meetings is a great for me at least was a great reminder and a great way to push me to say okay now we got to finish strong um, it's crazy to think that the year is almost over uh, we are we are truly close. We're almost to the end of October, uh, which then brings two more months to go, uh, which, by the way, are two of my favorite months of the year because of the holidays that are included there. I think Thanksgiving uh, is the best meal holiday of them all. Uh, I love Thanksgiving, and uh, and it's a short work week. Everything's great with Thanksgiving, and then uh, and then Christmas is awesome because of Christmas. Everything about Christmas I absolutely love. Um, the focus on Christ's birth, the family time that is spent, the joy that is just around the season. Um, because Thanksgiving is supposed to be joyful, but then Black Friday comes and everybody's mean. So uh, Christmas, there is just so much joy around Christmas. And, uh, and I love this time of year, but I want us to focus in on the idea this morning, uh, forward to growth, forward to growth. And this passage in Genesis is really interesting. It's Isaac, who remembers the son of Abraham, and uh, a famine came over the land. So Isaac packed up his family, he packed up his possessions, uh, all of his servants, everybody that is involved, this is many, many people involved there in what now would be reframed as community, uh, in his community. 
And he packed up and he began to leave. And God said, do not go to Egypt. He said, go where I tell you to go and I'll take care of you. And, uh, and he says, if you go where I, where I tell you to go, I'll do for you what I promised to your father, Abraham. And, uh, and so Isaac went where God directed, but there's a caveat. Let's look in Genesis 26, starting in verse number, uh, starting verse number 6. It says, And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister. So they're asking about Rebekah. He says, She is my sister, for he feared to say, She is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah. He said, If I say that Rebekah is my wife, they're going to kill me so that they can marry her. Uh, because she was fair to look upon. Uh, my guess is that's an understatement <laughs> from just figuring out what's going on here. But anyways, here we go. Verse number eight. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time uh, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a, at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. We don't use this term much anymore, but they were joking, laughing, having a good time together. And in a way that he looked and said, that's not his sister. Um, right? You understand what that means, right? There, there's just certain ways that you joke with your family. Did we just lose power to the sound? Oh, there we go. We're back. Um, where you just, uh, where you, it's just, you know, it's not a sister. Okay. So he calls Isaac in verse nine and said, behold, of surety, she is thy wife. And how saidest thou, she is my sister. And Isaac said unto him, because I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, what is this uh, thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have leaned uh, with thy wife and Thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man, Isaac, or his wife, Rebekah, shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. We're going to use this story today and look at how we as a church can move forward and grow. And we see that Isaac, and, and the rest of the story is to come, but we see that Isaac, it says in verse 13, that he waxed great, he went forward and grew until he became very great. And our goal, our desire is for our church to grow and to be very great. And by that, I don't mean massive in size, uh, but effective. That's what our desire is for our church. So let's pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. God, thank you for letting us come. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this story and this history that we have that we can learn from. And I pray that today as we look and we, we focus in on our prayer for this year for us to move forward as a church, Lord, I pray that this passage would encourage us, would, would build upon other things that you've taught us, and Lord, ultimately would uh, push us to the finish line of the year 2022 and allow us to accomplish what you desire for us to accomplish. So Lord, help me as I present these verses that I do so clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see this interesting situation, this story, right, of Isaac uh, and Rebekah. And I've always found it intriguing because of the situation where they show up in this land and apparently Rebekah is quite the looker 
And, uh, and so Isaac knows, he says this, he says, when we get here, they are going to think you're gorgeous. Uh, this is all in the Hebrew, it didn't translate into the English, but uh, they're going to think that you're gorgeous, they're going to want to marry you, and if they know that I'm your husband, they're going to kill me so that you are free to marry. And uh, so he comes up with this, in his mind, a great plan. Husbands, you've been there, right? And this is a great idea. Um, and he says, I'll say that you're my sister. And uh, it just so happens that one day Abimelech sees Isaac and Rebekah, and like I said, says, there's no way they're brother and sister. If they are, that's awkward. Uh, there's no way that they're brother and sister. These, these, this is husband and wife. And he kind of gets mad at Isaac. He's like, you know, somebody could have done something that would have brought guilt upon us. You would have caused us to do wrong because we didn't know that she was your wife. Why did you lie about this? And Isaac said, I thought this was a great idea. He said, I didn't want to die. And so I just said she was my sister. And uh, I think it's always intriguing to kind of see how we assume things, right? And we just figure out the, we think, worst case scenario. Uh, not everybody is this way. Uh, this would be a pessimist, uh, where they just, th- worst case scenario, no matter what I do, the worst thing's going to happen. So I have to scheme and plan and prepare to make sure that I can outsmart the worst thing that can happen. And oftentimes, our scheming, our planning does not work. And, uh, and again, I know I've been there as a husband where I think, hey, this is a good idea. Like, this is maybe the best idea I've ever come up with. And we go out and it fails uh, horribly, miserably, and should have just went with what my wife said to go with, and, and it would have been fine. Um, but that doesn't always work either, but nonetheless, more often times than not. And so we see Isaac coming to this point, but we see that ultimately what happens for Isaac is great blessing. Uh, at the end of the day, Isaac comes through this situation. It doesn't mean he was right. And it doesn't mean there were consequences. I guarantee there were uh, in his relationship with his wife. There was probably some consequences as a result of this. And, and obviously some hardships that, that uh, just uh, emotional and, and sociological, that a word, hardships that came as a result of this. But we see in verse 12 that after Abimelech said, no one's allowed to hurt Isaac or Rebekah, no one's allowed to touch Isaac or Rebekah, it says that Isaac sowed in the land, and he received in the same year a hundredfold, that's blessing, and the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. So a time of famine, they move, and they're now settled in this place, and now it is time to move forward. The blessings are coming, and it's time to move forward. So I want to look at three things this morning. First of all, to, grow, to go forward to growth you must admit your need to grow. You must admit your need to grow. If you want to go forward to growth, I do, and I believe that you do too. Uh, In order to do that, you have to admit your need to grow. We see in verses 6 through 9 here that fear forced failure. I came up with that on my own. Fear forced failure. Isaac was scared. And he came into this land fearful that something could happen. And so it caused him to fail. He failed his wife, Rebecca. He did not uh, care for Rebecca the way that she needed cared for. He was still there. He still protected her in some ways um, and was willing to do different things to protect her. But ultimately, his fear dictated his decision. 
And when he did that, it caused him to fail. He he was not being blessed in the time that he was fearful. There was not, we don't read of anywhere in this time frame where he's there. He comes into the, uh, to, uh, I say it, Gerar, it might not be said that way, but uh, he comes into this place and he's, and he's fearful and, and there's no blessing in verses six through nine. There is just um, um, hope, not the kind of hope we talked about in the revival messages, but there is just hope that everything turns out fine. There is that, that more than likely constant fear of being a stranger, and that's what he was in this place, a stranger, being a stranger in this place and, and not knowing everything about this place. And, and he just went in fearful and not faithful. And uh, it's interesting because the growth did not come until the realization came that his fear was kind of overtaking him. I've been in several churches in my life, whether just visiting or a part of, and I've seen different churches and, and, and people who are afraid to go forward as a church. Um, I've been in churches where um, they had a history of, uh, of, of plans that did not come to fruition. Uh, maybe a plan for a school, Christian school, and, and then it caused all kinds of problems and, and, and it ended up not happening because not everybody was on board with what was going to, was with, with the plan. And sometimes you shouldn't be on board with the plan, right? Sometimes the pastor has this great plan <laughs> and everybody else goes, Pastor, that's not a great plan. Just like my wife will say, Vince, it's not a great plan sometimes. Um, so I'm not saying just go with the flow, but what I'm saying is, I've been in churches where they, they are too afraid to move forward. There, I've been in churches that have been small, and they had zero desire to grow. The thought was, hey, we like these people. We're happy with these people. Everything seems to be going fine. Let's just settle in and be these people. Nowhere in Scripture do you find that being the plan for a church. And the plan is to multiply, always. Multiply through evangelization, sharing the gospel. Multiply through discipleship, uh, discipling, growing Christians, maturing Christians. Uh, going out, the Bible says multiple times, to go out. It is not the church's, um, it's not God's design for the church to stay um, the same. It's in a constant movement. That doesn't always mean constant growth numbers-wise. Sometimes it's constantly sending people out to other places and God replenishing the church through new people, missionaries, um, those kinds of things. Uh, and so it doesn't always mean that, that going forward means growth numerically, but it does mean growth spiritually. A church should be constantly growing. In our, in our own lives, we should be improving, we should be maturing, we should be growing in our own lives. If I got saved, I got saved at a young age, the age of four, and I was, again, very fortunate I heard the gospel a million times before, before I got saved. Uh, that might be a slight overstatement, but I heard it a lot. Um, I got saved at the age of four. I am now 38 years old, I believe. So that is 34 years, if my math is correct. If I am the same spiritually as I was when I was first saved, that's a problem. If I'm the same spiritually now as I was 15 years ago, that's a problem. If I'm the same now spiritually as I was last year, that's a problem. I'm supposed to be growing. 
you're supposed to be growing. To go forward, the, the, the most important way that God desires for a Christian uh, to go forward is in their own life, growing spiritually. How do I do that? I read the Bible. It is given to me from God to learn and to grow. The Bible tells me as much. I go to church, and I know, you know we're, we're here, we're all here, so preaching to the choir, right? But uh, we go to church. I've been, again, pastor for 12 years. I've been in church my entire life. People who don't go to church don't grow. They don't. And they'll sit and they'll, they'll complain and they'll gripe and they'll be concerned about little things within the church. And, and the whole time, nothing in their life is growing. And, and it just does not work. If you don't go to church, you will not grow. And a lot of times what happens is in the Christian life, we fear things and that forces failure. We refuse to see our own need for growth because we're too fearful of what that growth might bring. A lot of times Christians who don't go to church, it's not that they, uh, they'll have a reason for it. Everybody does. Um, the, the result is typically the reason they tell you is not the reason. Uh, you got to get, get to the second or third uh, thing before you finally find out the actual reason. But, uh, but they'll, they'll, uh, if you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, they know that if they're faithful, God is going to call them to a purpose. And that sounds like a big thing. Uh, it's an important thing, but... You know, as a kid, I always heard, you know, Africa. They're going to call God's going to call you to Africa. And I don't think people are, are fearful about that like they used to be. But there's that fear of if I'm faithful, then I'm going to have to give up something in my life. If I'm faithful, then then I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be committed to God fully. Like there's a difference between coming to church on Sunday and being committed to God. Right, It's great that you're here, but it doesn't mean that you're committed to God. It means you're obedient this morning, but it doesn't mean you're committed to God, right? We all know this. Uh, I'm a pastor, and there are days that I go through this, this struggle of, okay, if I'm going to be committed to God, faithful to God, doing what God desires for me to do, it's going to make me grow in the area of patience towards my coworkers. It's going to make me grow in the area of submission to my authority. It's going to make me grow in the area of kindness to people that I don't want to be kind to. Whatever it may be, and maybe you've got a different area that you, that you think about. But that fear of faithfulness, honestly, it's that fear of if I do what God wants me to do, um, sometimes it becomes overbearing when we think about what that means that God wants me to do tomorrow or the next day, or the next day, or the next day. And all of a sudden we think, man, that's work. Maybe it's not for you, I think it is. For me, obeying God is work. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. Um, I, I had, uh, I've always had a little bit of a temper. And I, God has really helped me in this and grown me in this uh, uh, over the last many, many years. But as a teenager, as a kid especially, I could just very quickly have this temper. Uh, my, my sister, she overreacted, but she used to tell me when we would get in arguments as, I would say, probably middle schoolers. Um, she's a year and a half older than me. 
she would get so angry at me and we would be yelling at each other. Mom and dad weren't home. They were at work. Mom and dad weren't home. So we were yelling at each other. And she would say, I'm not going to visit you when you're in prison when you're, as an adult. But it gives you an idea of the arguments we were having. I never hit my sister. My sister, I was not allowed to, obviously. And if I even looked at her wrong, she would scream, Dad, Vince hit me. Um, You know, she was that kind of sister. And, And while she was pinching me, pinning me to the floor, pinching me, Dad, Vince is hitting me. Uh, And then I would get in trouble. But um, what an evil, evil person. Um, But, (laughs) but, you know, there is this, there's still days where, man, something will just get under my skin. Whether it's at work. Um, You know, I'm getting ready to go into, we start our basketball season this week. So as a coach and officials, you know, there's just, I can be calm for a while and then all of a sudden just something clicks. Like, man, what's wrong with you? You're horrible at this. And then it grows and it grows and it grows until I finally catch my wife's eye and she's looking at me going, would you please stop? Uh, And then I sit down and be quiet again for a little bit. But, uh, you know, listen, it's work for me to obey God. And again, maybe, maybe you're not this way, but for me it is. I mean, I go into work on Monday, tomorrow, I'll go into work, and it's going to be work for me to have a good attitude. And listen, God uses, has provided this job to provide for my family, and I know that. But man, I'll walk in, and I might even have a good attitude to start, and then all of a sudden somebody will say something, and I'll think, oh, I hate this place. <laughs> have you ever been there? Maybe you've been there this morning. I, I hope not. Um, <laughs> But uh, for me, it is work to obey God. And sometimes the fear for what faithfulness will bring, for what it means for me to obey God, will cause me to fail. I have to admit, I've got room to grow. If I think that I'm um, where I'm going to be at the best, and there's times where we come to a point in our life where we'll say, you know what, I've worked hard, I've prayed, I've read my Bible, and, and man, I just I still fail. And we'll come to the point where we'll say, you know what, I just don't think I can succeed. It's not that I say I'm, I've made it, it's actually where I'm saying I can't make it. And that fear of unbeing able to what we think is make it will cause us to fail, we can't grow. To go forward in growth, we have to understand I have room to grow. Not only that, I need to grow. Isaac came into a situation where he was, he was blessed coming into the situation previously. And now he came to this point where he kind of forgot what he was doing. He forgot who he was serving. He forgot who had provided for him in the past. And his fear caused him to fail. And if we could come to the realization that no matter if I think I can succeed or not, I need to grow. If I can come to the realization that I cannot grow if I have fear in my life and I cannot be, I cannot be faithful to what God has me to do if I'm fearful, I need to grow. That urgency, listen, urgency, that urgency to grow. I need to grow and I need to grow now. There have been times in my spiritual life where I have come to the realization that, boy, I better get on it. 
<laughs> you know, pastoring is such a unique situation, and I love our church. I, the spirit of our church is great. Um, pastoring is such a unique situation where uh, you're you're there to lead, you're there to teach, um, and there are times where where I just I hit a lull. Whether it's busyness in life or uh, whatever it may be in Indiana, it's, I had all the time in the world. It just became kind of sometimes hard to motivate to keep what to do today. Uh, man, I wish I had that problem. Um, what to do today? Uh, you know, I mean, when, you're, when you have uh, all the time that you need, uh, and I was trained and taught to work fast growing up. My dad always said, get done with it so you can go on to the next thing. So I'm not used to taking a lot of time on anything. So, uh, so next thing you know, I'm sitting there on Tuesday going, I got everything done for this week. All right, so what am I supposed to do now? Now listen, I could have been a much better pastor. Uh, you guys are so fortunate. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I was young. I was stupid. All those good things. I could have been a much better pastor with all that time that I had. But I'm telling you, you've got to come to the urgency of the need to grow spiritually in your own life. You have not attained, you will not attain. You need to grow. And you will not go forward in growth until you realize that need to grow. Number two, to go forward to growth, you need to be blessed by God. We talk about this, and we'll talk about it again in point three, about you realizing the need to grow. Uh, but you also have to understand that, that in order to grow, it's going to take God blessing you. You're not going to do it. You can't do it on your own. You're not going to do it by yourself. You need God to bless you. That's what the growth is. Look in verse number 12 again. It says there at the very end of the verse, and the Lord blessed him. All right. Now, when we come through this idea of going forward, when we look at the church and the need for the church to go forward, it's not about you doing more. Although I think that is. That's, that's going to be a result of God's working in your life. But it's not about you doing more. It's not about you giving more. It's not about you teaching more. It's not about you whatever more. It's about God blessing through you. We have to come to the realization that it is not about me. You remember in John, John the Baptist is the one preaching, but he's speaking of Christ, says, He must increase, but I must decrease. We like to talk about we need to increase God, but we don't like to decrease ourselves. And the reality is, I have to be emptied of myself in order for God to fill me. And I, when I say, okay, we want the church to grow, it, it, has, it, it has nothing to do with the sermons that I preach. In the sense that um, if I write the sermon with, with no help from God, and I just get up here and give a speech. When I was in college, I was in Bible college, um, we had a class called homiletics, and it was, it was a class teaching you how to prepare sermons. And um, <laughs> we had to preach six times in the class. So it was me and I think five other guys, six other guys, very small class. And, um, and so first of all, uh, now 
as a church planner, I've preached to that many people. But, um, but it's, it's odd. You're sitting around a conference table preaching a message to guys that you go to school with that you know what they did last night and they know what you did last night. And, you know, it's just weird. It, it's just an odd setting. But the teacher told us, he said, I want you to, to prepare and preach these messages. He said, it's not a speech. It's a message. But we got graded on it. And so I just did a speech because I was going to get graded on it. And my sermons weren't any good, but I could do a speech. <laughs> so I just made a speech with... with uh, you know, an outline and, and Bible passages so I could get a good grade in the class and, and move forward with it. I've learned a lot since then. But uh, in, that, in that setting, there was, in those messages, man, you'd have guys who would try to hit on a, a controversial topic, um, which is always funny in Bible college, but um, they'll try to get on something that's going to that's gonna cause people to um, have a reaction or whatever it may be and those sorts of things. But in, in the year that I sat in homiletics class, there were no God-filled, Spirit-filled messages preached. And I would doubt that there have been in any homiletics class, um, very rarely at the very least, uh, for guys who think that they're all that and, uh, and are not. But the, the, the proclaiming of verses doesn't automatically mean spirit-filled proclaiming. For a sermon to work, God has to bless it. The same is true in the listener's life too, right? Um, For your ministry, whatever that ministry is, for your ministry to work, God has to bless it. You will not come into this church, and I've had people both in Indiana and in Kentucky who have felt like they were God's gift to the church. And I've been told as a pastor, you know, well, you wait and see what happens when we leave. And I said, I cannot wait to see what happens when you leave. (laughs) Sorry, a fleshly moment right there. Um, You know what happens when they leave? The church gets happier. Dead serious. Church gets happier, um, the church gets along better, and the church progresses forward. Why? Why is that? It's because now God can have reign over the church. Because that person's not there to hog it to themselves. We've got a great, great spirit about our church. And I know I've said that already, but I believe that. I'm not lying when I say that. Um, As churches grow, more personalities come in. There's nothing wrong with that. Diversity of personality is a wonderful thing to have in a church. The problem comes is when a person thinks that they can do something to help the church. And listen, I want you to be involved, and I want you to volunteer, and I want you to to jump in, but you personally can do nothing for the church. If God blesses through you, that's when you're useful to the church. I had a gentleman in our church in Indiana who gave a lot of money to the church. Um, and because of that, he felt that it was his right to have a say in different things about the church. And sadly, his thoughts and opinions weren't very scriptural. They were not at all spiritual. <laughs> uh, and there's nothing wrong with a business person trying to help in business ways of the business of the church. Nothing wrong with that. 
But the mindset of, well, I give, so I have the right. Listen, the church is, is run, if we can use that word. I don't like that word. God uses the people to move the church. And he uses your gifts. He, you know, the Bible talks about the different body parts. We've got an arm, and we've got an eye, and we've got an ear, and we've got a nose. Each one is an important piece to the puzzle where if all we have is a bunch of arms, we, we're not going to be able to see anything. If all we have is a bunch of eyes, we're not going to be able to hear anything. If all we have is a bunch of noses, we're not going to be able to eat anything. Um, the church is made up of different people on purpose by God to provide different things. I can do nothing electrically. Um, if something happens wrong with, with, with the uh, electric, I can't do anything about that. I can flip the breakers. Outside of that, I'm no good. Um, you know, I, I have no ability to do that. We have people who have some ability, wisely fearful of it, but some ability to mess with, electri- with the electricity. Um, the sound stuff, I know very little. I've learned more as, uh, since we started the church than I ever knew before. I know very little about it. We've got our missionary, David Peach, is going to come by on a Monday and look at all our sound stuff and label stuff for us because it's not labeled correctly and, uh, and we have no idea. Things are, you don't know what's going on. So he's going to come and spend a whole day and just check it all out for us. Why? Because he knows how. We've got people who mow. We've got people who clean. We've got people who uh, work in the nursery. We've got people who teach. We've got people who uh, give. We have people who um, encourage. We have people who do all these things. And the church is made up of those people. But you yourself, me, myself, I am of no use to this church without God blessing me. And you are of no use to this church without God blessing you either. The blessings, the, the success, let me put it that way, the success of Isaac was when God blessed Isaac was not successful when God was not blessing. So when did the blessings come? Well, in verses 15 through 21, we'll look at those in a minute, but there was a lot of fighting going on. He was trying to, uh, as he went forward, he was redigging these wells that his father and his people dug. And as he would, he would dig this well and the water would come up and the people of the land would say, hey, that's our water, not yours. And they would fight with, with Isaac. So he'd move on to the next one and he'd redig that well. And water would come up and the people of the land would say, that's our water, not yours. And he would move on to the next one and he would dig a well and water would come up and they'd say, that's our water, not yours. Until finally he dug up a well and water came up and he looked around and there was nobody there saying, that's our water. He says, all right, this is our water. Isaac moved on. Until verse 22, where it says, And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it uh, Rehoboth, and he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. The blessings. He kept moving forward and kept going until he says, God made room for us. God cleared out the space. God gave us everything that we needed right here for us. And now we are going to uh, 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 establish and then we're going to prosper. Now listen, our church is established. For the first time in August of 2020, our church was established. We We were established as a church in 2014, but we were wanderers. We were wayfaring strangers. 
We, we, were, we didn't know where the next place would be. We didn't know when that lease expired, if we were going to be able to renew it, or if we wanted to renew it. Uh, and we kind of get, there were times where we didn't even know if we were going to have people the next year, you know, that kind of thing. So we were, we were not established. And then the Lord blessed the church. He made room for us. And He established us here. And now we are supposed to be multiplying. We're supposed to be prosperous. Uh, as he says there in verse 22 at the end of the verse, we shall be fruitful in the land. That's where we're at right now. Where where Isaac was when he dug the well and realized, hey, God has established us here. Now we must be fruitful. Now we must be, uh, now we must be looking for those blessings of God that we saw there before. Uh, look in verse 24. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him that same night, and he said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee, and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. God says he, he established the place for Isaac, and Isaac said it's time for us to be fruitful, and God says, he reminds Isaac, I am the same God that your father served. The same God that blessed your father, the same God that helped your father, the same God that provided for your father. He says, don't be afraid. I'm with you, just like I was with your father. Now listen, that's the same God we serve. Just as God said to Isaac, I'm the God that your father Abraham knew, guess what? God says to us today, I'm the God that Abraham knew. I'm the God that Isaac knew. I'm the God that everyone that you read about in the Bible knew. All these great things that God did for them, God says, I'm your God. He says, don't be fearful. I'm with you. I want to bless you. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And I find that interesting because we seem to be in this mindset of constant fighting with the people around us. Because they're evil and they're wicked and we're spiritual and we're godly and we got to fight with them. we got to fight with them. Here in, in this passage in Genesis, as Isaac dug the well and it says that someone strove with him, he said, all right. And he went to the next place. And they did all the work and they found the water and someone strove with them. And Isaac said, okay. And they moved to the next place. As it's possible, the Bible says, live peaceably with all men. We, if you grew up in church, you've always heard about armor and swords and fighting. And all that is true, but it's all geared towards Satan. Not your neighbor. And if we want to move forward to growth, we need God's blessing. Well, how's God going to bless us when we live peaceably? With those around us. We have to be very, very careful that we don't mistake the importance of fighting against Satan uh, with the idea that we're supposed to fight against our neighbor. There are times where a fight is necessary. But God says in Romans, when it's possible, live peaceably with all men. We fight the wrong enemy so often. 
We mistake people for our enemy. They're not. Satan is our enemy, and he's dangerous. And he's as a roaring lion, and he's seeking whom he may devour. That's who we fight against. But you know what? Our neighbor, our coworker, our, our relatives, or whatever, God desires for us to live peaceably with them. Growth in a church, you know, it's funny. Some churches are just so um, combative, uh, confrontational. And some of them have succeeded in doing so. Some of them have been very large. I, I uh, was listening about a church, not, in, uh, not a church like ours, but uh, a mega church and, and uh, the failure of that church. And in it, it was just every time they talked about the pastor, they talked about how combative he was. And just almost angry in all of his messages and, and uh, just this very forceful kind of mentality. And you know what? There are, again, there's times for that. But if we want to grow, if we want to move forward in growth, we need God's blessings. And we're not going to get God's blessings if we're not doing what God tells us to do. And Isaac was told, don't go to Egypt. Isaac didn't go to Egypt. He went somewhere else, but his fear caused them to fail. And once that got passed, then he was able to begin being blessed by God. And as he was going, he was living peaceably with people. And he came to the spot and he says, God's made a space here. We're now established. Now we must be fruitful. And God said, Isaac, I'm with you, just like I was with Abraham. And I'm going to bless you. He's getting Abraham's blessing. Go back uh, at the beginning of the, the chapter. Verse 1 tells us there was a famine, and that's why it was important for them to, to leave. Uh, verse 2 is when God says, don't go to Egypt. Verse 3, he says, sojourn in that land that I send you to. And he says at the end of verse 3, I will give all these countries, and I, I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make, this is the, 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 the promise, I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall, be, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Oh, Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. He said, here's the promise that I gave to Abraham. And the reason why he received that promise and the reason why he was blessed is because Abraham obeyed. And he kept that which I told him to do. And he says, Isaac, if you will do that, I will bless you too. And listen, if we do that, God will bless us too. Is he going to multiply our nations? No. <laughs> All right, that's not the promise that he gives us, that, that our seed will be as the stars of the sky and those sorts of things. But the idea of you do what I tell you to do, you go where I tell you to go, you be what I tell you to be, I am going to bless you. Why? Because I'm the same God that Abraham had. And I'm the same God that Isaac had. And I'm the same God that you read about all throughout scriptures. And I'm here to help you. So you understand that the forward growth of this church is going to be a result of God's blessings. It will be not our own. I tell you, I've heard so many churches that have given the, the, uh, the glory of their growth to ministries. Our church is running this many people. It's because we, we've got a bus ministry, praise God, and we go out and we bring in the kids and all these kinds of things. Listen, the bus ministry is not the reason why your church succeeds. It's because God blesses. Can God use the bus ministry? Yes, by all means He can. 
We don't have a bus ministry. We don't have a bus. Um, we don't have a van. Any of those sorts of things. It'd be great to have one day. We don't have it right now. That doesn't mean God can't bless our church. Doesn't mean that God can't grow our church. I've heard people give, give uh, um, credit to their music ministry. It's because we have this music and this great, this great worship band, uh, which I want to still want to do a whole series on worship because I think we totally misuse that word. But uh, we've got this great worship band, and that's what brings on all these people. Okay, well, that means that your church isn't being blessed. If that's what's bringing in the people. I told our church in Indiana because we had some, some gripers. I said, listen, if you want the auditorium to be full, and I want the auditorium to be full, but I said, if you want the auditorium to be full just for it to remind you of the good old days, I said, we can do it in two weeks. We can have every seat in this building full. I said, but God, God won't be happy with it. Because church is not about filling the seats, right? It's about filling the heart. My heart, your heart, and anybody that we can drag in with us, their heart. It's not about filling the seats so that we can go around telling everybody, man, our auditorium was full. Who cares? Were people helped? Was God there? The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And so um, I've, I've talked with plenty of church planners who go, oh, praise God, we had three, God was there. Uh, <laughs> we made it. Um, it's not about that. God doesn't just, I don't like using that phrase, God showed up today, boy, I hate that. I said, well, where was he last week? I understand the mindset behind it. God moves in a special way and it's a special service. I've been in those. It's, it is, it's great. But why, why didn't God move last week? Why is it that we're surprised when God shows up for a service? Tim talked about it in the revival meetings, the, the preparing, the coming prepared to get what God desires for you to get, right? Listen, in order for us to, to grow spiritually, is what we're talking about, for our church to grow spiritually, to have a greater impact for God, we have to understand that it's going to take God's help. I can't do it on my own. I will be useless on my own. Number three, and lastly this morning, to go forward to growth, you have to dot, 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 go. It takes action. It's God that's going to bring the blessing, but in obedience to God, we go. Again, here we see Isaac, it says in verse uh, 13, is when he waxed great, went forward and grew until he became very great. Uh, basically what that means is he was, he was doing pretty good, and then he was doing even better. That's what that's saying, which is unique in it also. But verse 14, he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Boy, they were jealous. Look at this guy. He's got it all. For all the wells, verse 15, which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. They're the ones that filled all these wells up. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. Uh, that's a king saying, uh, It's time for you guys to go. You're going to overtake us. 
That's, that's the blessing that Isaac got. He came into the land in a time of famine, in a time of need. And now he's leaving where the king says, you're starting to scare us for how, how blessed you are. So he leaves, verse number 17, departed and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. And the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek. Uh, because they strove with him. And they digged another well, and they strove and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. Uh, for, uh, uh, and he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, that we be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. Uh, verse 24, we looked at what God said. Verse 25, and he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants digged a well. Isaac's blessings came, but he was not meant to remain in that same situation. In order for him to have that growth and continue to grow, he had to go. Now listen, I am in no way saying that you need to leave this church. Please understand that. We had one person leave the church back early in the, the church days. Um, he said that he, you know, he felt he was the reason the church wasn't growing. So he's going to go to another church. <laughs> I was like, well, that means you're just going to hurt that church. So why don't you just stay here and hurt this church? Um, he wasn't the reason the church wasn't growing. But to understand what I mean by this is the need to go. It's not to, to go, it's not unless God's telling you, it's not to go into another country, it's not to go into another state, it's not to go into another church. It's just in the, in the situation that God has placed you in, it's time for you to go forward. You should never be just sitting in that same spot, spiritually especially, where you've got to be able to go forward. And it's going to take some action on your part. Yes, God's the one that's going to bring the blessing. God's the one that's going to bring the growth. But it's as a result of your obedience. And if you're not going in obedience, then you're not going to get the blessing. If you're not going to your Bible and reading your Bible, you're not going to get the blessing. If you're not going to church, you're not going to get the blessing. And I know I'm the pastor. I know every pastor you've ever heard has said, read your Bible and go to church. There's a reason why they say it. If you want to go forward in growth, then you have to take some action. God does not reward the lazy. In, in any aspect of life, but may I just bring it back to spiritually speaking, God does not re reward the lazy. If you're lazy with your Bible reading, if you're lazy with your prayer time, if you're lazy with your church attendance, you're not going to receive the blessing. But when you start to go, when you read your Bible with the intention to get something, God's going to give you something. When you go to church with the intention to get something, God's going to give you something. When you serve in the church, however that may be, 
when you serve in the church with the intention of obeying God, God is going to bless you. When you give with the intention of obeying God, God's going to bless you. The reality is, is in order for us as a church to go forward to growth, we have to go. Yes, we're established in this place, but now what? <laughs> well, we have to go forward. And may I encourage you, as much as we, there are physical things that we can do to go forward, may I just bring it back to the spiritual aspect of it all? We've got to go forward there. We have to be what God wants us to be. We have to do what God wants us to do. And when we do that, we'll be able to hear God say, I am the God of Abraham. Fear not, for I am with thee. And the God of Abraham was powerful. The God of Abraham blessed beyond blessings. And he says, I'm with you. I pray that our church, as we, we are getting ready to wrap up this year, I pray that we go forward. I pray that we will dedicate and commit ourselves in the coming days and weeks and months to, to go forward spiritually in our own lives, to do the things that we know we're supposed to do but we aren't doing. If we'll do those things, God will begin to bless and we'll continue to see growth within our church, spiritual growth of each other, and we'll be able to, from there, continue to do what God desires for us to do. Lord, I thank you for your word and I pray that I was able to present it today uh, in an effective way. But God, I pray that you would help us. Uh, we've come off a wonderful week of messages uh, pushing us, challenging us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would just be what you want us to be. Lord, I, I pray that you would be able to take the fear that's in our life and, and knock it out. And Lord, would we commit to you, maybe in many cases recommit to you, our desire to obey you. Lord, would we seek you for the blessings? Would we be able to increase you and decrease us? Lord, we want to go forward as a church, and we need your help to do it. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Uh, to do just that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you stand with me, please? I don't have any questions to ask you today. I'm just going to ask the piano to play. And if the Lord spoke to you about something today, I'm going to ask you to just uh, go to Him and uh, take care of whatever you need to with Him.